0: Well, and even we have a tradition in the church of offering prayers of reparation. We don't often do this. A lot of our religious communities will offer prayers of reparation for the sins committed against the blessed sacrament, right? Mm-hmm. And the, um, the and I think that's where you, as, as a community, if you're gathered, you can also enter into this time of just praying out prayers of reparation. Yeah. So like, we're going to pray in repentance mm-hmm. and sorrow for the, the sins committed Against the the blessed sacrament in our parish, we're going to pray mm-hmm. for in sorrow for the sins committed with the within the apathy of the liturgy, within mm-hmm. the apathy of worship. The, yeah. I mean, you could just I mean, as a parishioner, a group of parishioners, you can literally just go through the liturgy can, yeah. and pray prayers of reparation for the apathy that in which we like mm-hmm. that we that we sing hymns but we don't worship the living God. That we yeah. uh, pray the penitential rite but we don't repent right. That uh, yeah, and just right. start praying the prayers of reparation through the liturgy, which would then motivate the heart yeah. to to ask God to to if you will have mercy on that parish and to come.
1: To Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, my name is Aaron Richards. I am your host for today's show. I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Pearance. Yes, sir. Brad and Dan Devite. Welcome, you, Dan. Aaron. Uh, it has been a wild ride these last couple of weeks. We're we mm-hmm. are nearing the home stretch of Lent. Oh boy. And mm-hmm. we've got a couple more solid shows in our Relentless series. And uh, today we're going to be jumping straight into a conversation about repentance, uh, as it as it leads us into freedom. Repentance into freedom. And uh, you know, I figured every good Beyond Damascus podcast could uh, quote another great podcaster. Uh, we're going to start with Bishop Barron today.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's also. Awesome. Bishop Barron says we're, we're going to be. Uh, he says the key to the renewal of our society. Is a recovery of the deepest meaning of baptism to become priestly, prophetic, and kingly people. Hmm. And we we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I love leaning into things that w- whenever whenever I feel a little uncertain about my uh, about my theology, I love leaning into things that can't be denied, mm-hmm. like our baptismal identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Those anchor points. That's sort of a joke, but but also the fact that yeah, it, we find we find that our priestly our our kingly and our prophetic anointing that, that are, that are a function of our, of our baptismal identity, that those hold such a powerful, um, uh, they hold such powerful truth as mm-hmm. it pertains to our practice of ministry and uh, uh, living the Christian life, you know, uh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but when we speak about like, okay, how is it Damascus that you that you can go off the rails here and suggest that that you can that you can hear the voice of the God of the universe and speak on his behalf. Well, wow, friends. Uh, <laughs> it's because, you know, I didn't make it up. Don't blame me. Don't shoot the messenger.
0: I don't. I don't even understand why anyone would even questions that in the first place. Like, if you're Christian and you don't believe you can hear the voice of God and speak on His behalf, have you read you'd, the Bible? You'd be surprised how many conversations I've had. Yet. Oh but, well, you'd be surprised at how far we have fallen from the authentic, true faith okay, and who we okay, well, who not, we are and what we to believe. Not point, not to it point is any fingers. The things we question as Christians, it not, just not to point any up. fingers. Okay, I'm not pointing.
1: We're rooted in our in our in our prophetic anointing, right? Yes, the prophetic right. anoint that we are baptized as prophets. We in the prophetic ministry of Jesus. Uh, likewise, this is this is a good one, right? Where's our foundation for the fact that you ridiculous Christians at Damascus uh, believe that you have the power to pray and to see to see bodies, lives, spirits transformed? Well, friends, <laughs> the words of Jesus,
2: <laughs> kingly.
1: It's on account of our kingly anointing, yes, right? Authority. As 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 kings of the earth, we actually carry dominion. Mm-hmm to to have dominion over creation. Mm-hmm. It, it was a it was one of the one of the gifts that was given to Adam that we now have, have it's been redeemed in us in Christ. Yep. Have dominion, uh, subdue it. What about the priest uh, you know I I feel like as as Christians we tend to get really excited about the prophetic and the kingly anointing. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the priestly anointing I'm like I'm not a priest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Great, whatever. Like let the, let the priest do the priest thing. So um when it comes to the priestly anointing, I think there's a couple really beautiful components that that hold uh, kind of a, a a key to unlocking this understanding of revival for us. and um I, I would suggest to us that that we see those made most evident in in two words. the first is repentance and the second would be worship repentance and worship. I suppose you could throw sacrifice in there, right? Uh, maybe repentance, sacrifice and worship. and we see that the 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 job of the priest throughout history mm-hmm. is to bring us from a place of uh, disordered relationship mm-hmm. to a place of of restored relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that played out through through various uh, different ways uh, th- and expressions throughout history. You know, uh, a, a small portion of the of the population who's listening to today's show is an ordained priest, right? Mm -hmm. And in a particular way, like you men have a responsibility to live out the ministerial priesthood in a way that none of us can. Mm -hmm. But all of us is called to live out that priestly anointing within the context of our lives. Yeah.
2: Well, I I love, uh, we as Catholics have um, just like the beautiful liturgy that we go back to all the time. And what's cool is that the priest always... um, He always walks in last. He's last in the procession. And that means he leads the worship. He leads the praise. Look at the creation in Genesis, right? Man is created last, right? The last in the procession that unfolds in creation to lead all of the world into right worship and right praise. And then anytime in the Old Testament, you see people get away from God, it's because of wrong worship and wrong praise. And how do you get back into right worship and right praise? repentance. So it's always back to right worship. So God's always about getting us back to like just the idea that we're in relationship with him, connected to him. So of course, like the priest in me, right, is called to come back into right worship and right praise and to lead others into that too. And so, yeah, it makes total sense that our priestly anointing would have those two facets because it's been that way Mm. from the beginning. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, so we, we we like to talk about the 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 glory and the excitement and the and the glitz and glamour of revival, and all of that is amazing. Mm-hmm. What stands at the foundation of that, I think, comes back to an understanding of this of this priestly identity. That that truly to experience freedom, uh, a freedom that comes through authentic worship, a freedom that comes through authentic identity. That we we really have to we. We really have to embrace the, the reality of what what does repentance really mean to me? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it is, it is fitting as we, as we kind of wrap up this Lenten series these next couple weeks that, uh, that we take, a, we take a, a long, hard look at repentance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ask, okay, uh, what does this mean in the church? What does this mean through history? And, and most importantly, what does this mean for me? Like, what does this mean in my life? right?
0: I think the church needs to
1: actually, I mean, <clears throat> we clearly have repentance at the
0: heart of so much of what we teach, but we have to, we have to see this like, not as a sad message, but as a joyful message, right? Yeah, like yeah. but this is not a yeah. this this is not like, okay, shoot, I I I got stuck with the repentance talk, you know, like this stinks. Or like, oh man, I've got to preach repentance from the pulpit this Sunday. No, like this is this is part of the good news. It's actually the the precursor of the good news. And so right. it would be silly mm-hmm. for us not to joyfully proclaim yeah. a call to repentance. And there's got to be a mindset shift in us that this is bad. This is bad and I'm I'm somehow saying something that's negative upon the people uh because even when you start mm-hmm. the episode you're like all right we're talking about repentance or well, are we uh, how likely are people to click when they're scrolling through <laughs> yeah, the yeah, list yeah. of uh of podcast episodes <laughs> Dang you know like it. this is going to
1: be our least watched yeah, show. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to be like
0: oh repentance exciting you know um and because of that we're missing out on the fullness of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well so let's look you know, again, tying repentance to priesthood. It's funny because you look at the, what was the purpose of, of worship? I mean, I got maybe not worship. What was the purpose of the priesthood? Their, their entire purpose, the entire, the entire, uh, Israelite, um, process of, of worship and prayer was all driven by sacrifice of bringing us back into relationship with God because we had, because we had fallen, fallen. right? And even as we celebrate the mass like yes we celebrate the resurrection of jesus but do you realize like at the core of the mass is the the representation of the sacrifice of jesus mm-hmm. um for the sake of reminding us of of our uh, our, our final glorious mm-hmm. you know redemption our our repentance mm-hmm. uh as as we come into into right relationship of receiving that that sacrificial gift of jesus receiving that grace
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and having it transform our or having our lives transformed.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think part of that too, right, is the return aspect. Yeah, that when we repent, it, it returns us to right relationship with the Father who loves us. It puts those. The the reason it's so exciting is because repentance leads us to the life we were made for. Right, and yeah. and when we lose sight of what repentance is aimed at, we'll just get caught up in the minutia of like, oh, I'm going to re- repent day to day. But no, it's like no, we're repenting. Unto something. And yeah. that's unto the Lord, right? In the same way at the Mass, right? The presentation of Jesus Christ, the one sacrifice at Calvary, back to the Father, which reminds me, oh yeah, I'm in right relationship with a Father who loves me. Yeah. And he wants to pour out good things for me.
0: I'd say that even though the <clears throat> even the old testament repentance though was flawed, if you will, sure. it was limited. And yeah, so because definitely. so the sacrifice. Even the the priests are offering sacrifice and atonement for the sins of man um, or for the ways they had broken the law. And the Lord calls us beyond that. And I think a lot of times we actually fall into Old Testament repentance, not New Covenant repentance. Right? So the the Old Covenant repentance is I'm repenting because I broke the rules, right? And confession is where Mm -hmm. I go and I confess my sins. And so often if you just think about the way you've approached confession in the past, Often, me, me personally, yeah, no, like <laughs> yeah, no, sure, you, sure, sure. theoretically, you, <laughs> I was, I was reflecting on this this morning. Uh, that so often when we go to confession, we we simply present the the we repent for the yeah. areas where we've broken the law, right? Uh, which is merely an old testament repentance. But the Lord calls us to rend our hearts, not our garments. They, there's this mm. the the new law rips open the heart and exposes what not just where where have I acted Mm -hmm. wrongly? Or even like we, you know, now the big thing is like, okay, so there's the sins that we've committed, but also the sins of omission. But even when we think about the sins of omission, Mm -hmm. we think of sins that I have done. I mean, that I have failed to do. It's all around our actions, but the Lord wants us to repent in our heart and in our mind. Mm -hmm. And that's where real power comes that when my heart repents, because there is something in my heart that is off, that it is not God's heart yet. And I'm I'm ripping open my heart to say, God, I want your heart. I want to love like you love. I, and then, Lord, I want your mind. I want to think like you think. And so often our mm-hmm. small mindedness yep. that is focused more on this world than on heaven is the very thing that's keeping us from the kingdom of God. So when I repent from my small mindedness, and I say, I, I, I have looked at the world's problems from worldly solutions as opposed to the world's problems from divine solutions. When I repent from that worldliness, then I open up the the heavens yeah. for God to come. Yeah. And and yeah. it's that heart yeah. and the mind. It's that the New Testament versus the Old Testament. Not just what have I done wrong or what I have what have I failed to do rightly, yeah. but where is my heart and where is my mind not aligned with the heart and mind of God? Yeah. And that's where the depths of repentance comes. To release the power of God.
1: That's, that's beautiful. I, I, let, me, let me throw an extra point on that. So John chapter 16, verse eight, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mm-hmm. Why? So sin and righteousness in my mind are, are kind of two sides of the same coin, right? So why, why draw distinction between sin and righteousness? And uh, it, it, Jesus in John's gospel goes on to say sin because they refuse to believe who I, in who I am. So the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, particularly when we when we're not really in solid relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. You know that I need to be convicted of my sin when I'm when I'm not when I'm not standing in a place of belief in Him. When I am standing in a place of belief in Him, uh, that conviction comes from a place of righteousness. Yep, because like my the deepest wound on my heart is not actually that I've broken a rule. It's that I've broken relationship,
2: mm-hmm. yep
1: so so, yeah, sin and righteousness are two sides of the same coin, and uh, the I guess the 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 threshold lies on on whether i whether I exist in relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus or not.
0: which is actually really cool because jesus is he's he's presenting two different kinds of repentance there, repentance within the church, if you will, that leads to righteousness and repentance within the world that leads to revival, right? Where like people outside of the church are now giving their lives to Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, so that the Holy Spirit is at the very crux of not just the church getting her act yeah. together, but the world's repentance. It's mm-hmm. so critical.
2: Yeah. No, I, I love all this. I did, one thing that's standing out to me is that um, the difference between Old Testament repentance and New Testament repentance is Jesus. Yeah. That's the difference. The perfect sacrifice. That's yeah. the difference. So in the in the Old Testament, all of all of the prophets are saying repent, 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 repent. And then the the high prophet Jesus himself says repent and believe in the gospel. Right in the good news. That like repentant that is tied to a true belief in the good news yep. that is coming on the other side. We can good. go from the Old Testament where you see all of the prophets saying, repent, I say again, repent, to Paul who says, rejoice, I say it again, rejoice, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, there's something that happens between those two statements because the Old Testament prophets, holy people, Paul, holy person. So why are, why are they focusing on, on two different things? Well, because it's actually that repentance that he knew the people he was preaching to had been called to, Good. that if they walk through that and then believe what he's saying, it'll lead to rejoicing, right? Because it, it brings us back into right relationship, which we were made for.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dan, you, you started to draw a connection there between repentance and revival. And I think it might be, might be fruitful just for us to kind of ask the question, what, what do we mean when we say revival? So we've, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. It's in like the vision. It's in the vision statement of Damascus itself that our 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 vision is to bring revival to the church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose if you ask a handful of different people, you might get a handful of different answers. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you guys mean when you say revival?
0: I think on the most fundamental level it's dead things come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. you know, like the definition. So revival is when the dead comes to life yeah. again and the the revival in the church is when the dead things in the church come back to life. Yeah. Revival in the world is when mm-hmm. uh, the world comes back to life. And so you see it almost from you see a moment of revival um where uh, uh, um with Elijah and the prophets of Baal where the yep. fire comes down. And it's not just, it's not just the people of Israel are gathered at Mount Carmel. And when they see the power of God, they fall to their knees in repentance. And they say, truly, you are the Lord, right? They give their lives back over. So the church returns, but the whole land was in drought. And after that moment, yeah. the when when the fire came down, the heavens opened up and the storms came as well, and the land came back to life again. So mm-hmm. revival is not just interior, dead things come back to life in the church. There's fire of God happening in the church. The people are repenting. They're giving their lives over to the Lord. But then that rain comes as well. And the rain is the living water of the Holy Spirit that blesses the earth. And the earth starts mm-hmm. to come to life again. Yeah. The culture
2: of death becomes a culture of life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. When, I, when I've defined this before, just in conversation, I say it's a, a reanimation of the divine life. So when I think about revival, I think about Adam when he was formed from the ground. There's a difference between Adam being formed from the ground and looking exactly like Adam to when God breathes the breath of life into his nostrils. There's a different, like they would look the same, right? Like Adam's formed perfectly out of the Mm -hmm. ground, but the animating spirit that Mm -hmm. is given by God, right? Like the reanimation of the divine life. Like when we see that in a group of people or in a singular person, we can be sure revival is starting there, right? Like, and you can see that in people. It it really is something that when, when you are in tune with the Lord and you have a personal prayer life and, and you know what he speaks like, what he sounds like, what he acts like, you start seeing that in someone mm-hmm. or in a group of people and you're like, there's something happened. There's something being reanimated there. Yeah, yeah. It was just dormant. Like it's not lost. Like, it, that, so that's an important thing of revival, right? Is it, it's never lost, but it can remain dormant. And that Good. reanimation, right? Like that idea of Adam before the breath of God and after the breath of God is where I, I usually when I love that because the that
0: drew my mind to the Valley of Dry Bones and it says in um, yeah. the Valley of Dry Bones vision, right? That the the bones come to life, the Lord breathes his life, the spirit into them. They stand up and it says they stand up as a vast army. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about revival that the dead comes to life and then they're 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 positioned as an army with a with mm-hmm. a mission and a commission, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you have you you have this reality that when the Holy Spirit comes uh i i now uh, I'm now ready to be an army and yeah. mm-hmm. so you see in revival I, I think a a huge difference between like someone experiencing um <clears throat> well i i, I I think there's there's gotta be the missional element, right, with revival that not mm-hmm, only mm-hmm. I me and my friends haven't encountered something really awesome mm-hmm. and we stay in a small group as me and my friends, but there's mm-hmm. it actually positions us to be this vast army. Why? Because the goal of revival is the lost in the world. And so the the hunger of God is that all men would know him. And revival is God's activity in man to bring us out back out to
2: humanity to mm-hmm. bring them back to God. Yeah, I was, I was actually drawn to what you were saying there, Dan, because um, yes, like we have to define like, so yeah, re- revival is unto faith. It's, it's under salvation, right? Yeah, like it's under that's, salvation. That's, so, because in- we because just
0: dead things coming back to life is, is, the, is the salvation. Mi- the resurrection <laughs> yeah, exactly. <mission> of Jesus. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, like, but that's, that's, the, that's why I was drawn when you were saying that to John 11, to the raising <laughs> of Lazarus. Yeah. Because Lazarus is dead, yeah. right? And Jesus doesn't say he's dead, though. He says he's asleep. He's dormant,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? I'm going to bring him back to life. Why is he going to bring him back to life? So then Jesus said to them, uh, like, I'm trying to find where it exactly is, but ultimately he says that- um. I'm, I'm going to awaken him. And then he he mentions why he does this. It's, and, a, it's
1: a long reading. And it's,
2: yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just really trying to find it right now. But ultimately he's saying it so that they believe, right? So that they like, believe. like So for the glory of God to be known, so that they would believe that I am who I say I am, that, that I'm the one the father sent, that they, believe, that they would believe, that they would believe, that they would believe in the good news, Yeah, repent and believe, right? Yeah. And so a real repentance, what it brings us into is a recognition that I'm dormant in ways I desire not to be. Yeah. Right? And that gives permission for the animating spirit to come. So of course it's the first move of revival. Yeah. Because if Adam doesn't recognize that he's not animated before that breath of yeah. God comes in or if he's tasted that breath of God and now knows he's yeah. dormant, of course it's like, "Oh, I actually I ch- I want to change. I want to be yeah. away from that." Could I could I make one distinction?
0: I Please. wonder if the a difference though between a Baptism in the Holy Spirit experience for the individual and in revival is that revival is communal, and so we're not looking for one person to have repentance. Mm-hmm. And so there's when when we speak of revivals that have happened in human history, we don't speak of the revival uh, that happened in the so and so's life. Yeah. That's a conversion, right? That's a a renewal moment or a con- like a baptism in the Holy Spirit that takes place. Revival happens amongst man, right? Amongst a community, amongst a people. And so there's something about this need of not just me repenting so that God can bring the dead back to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the dead in me back to life, but uh, a community repenting together so that Mm -hmm, God mm -hmm. can use that community to bring dead things back to life. And so that their communal action could save the world around them. Right? So when Nineveh was saved, did everyone in Nineveh repent? Probably not, right? But God spared Nineveh because the repentance of the few mm-hmm. was the condition for the salvation of all. When, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, did 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 He say everyone in mm. Sodom and Gomorrah have to repent? No, He He said, "Heck, if if you find but ten people that are willing to repent with beautiful, a wholehearted beautiful. repentance, I'll spare the land." Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's uh. and so the but the communal action. Of and it wasn't enough just for one man to repent, right? There's yep. got to be mm-hmm. a communal action to spare the land, amen. And in America, that's what we need right now. We mm-hmm. need a communal action of repentance to
1: spare our land. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's so sweet. Okay, so hearing you guys talk about revival is um, is, is pretty encouraging. Mm-hmm. And uh, if 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 we had recorded this show two or three years ago, I would say that. Revival is typically not a word in our experience that's actually associated with with Catholicism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Certainly, the, the concept of revival is deeply rooted throughout our entire history.
0: Actually, it's funny because when we when we started using the word a lot in our Catholic yeah. context, we we had priests questioning us or, or like. Uh, just people saying like, uh, uh, is that is that an appropriate word to use as Catholics? Right. And it's like, and, well, thankfully we now we've got the, <laughs> yeah, now the, the great, bishops like, the we the great want to revival. Revival. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> Thank you, Bishop Cousins, for putting a stamp of approval on this word. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we want to,
2: and we want to speak away from like, um, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater to yeah. use a. A horrible cliche, but I think it's such a bad cliche. It's so bad, but I couldn't think of a, a better one to use right now. Um, but like
1: this we, moment we is we brought to you. <laughs> <by the other> <laughs> <past>. <laughs> but like
2: we <laughs> we don't want to um we don't want to throw out the word revival because we've maybe heard it used in too many contexts before no, that we haven't not. seen it change. Yeah. because I think that um. One thing I I remember when I was like like first kind of um just experiencing the Lord in a new way in in the faith that I had been raised in because I was raised Catholic. Um I I'm from Southern Ohio, which is very much in the Bible belt. So so you hear about revivals happening at these little at these little churches all mm. of the time. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like every weekend someone's having a revival. But what you would see is like but if that's what revival is, it just seems like a, a longer time to gather, really, more or than like anything. like a cool word for exactly. an event. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Like, hey, we're having an event.
2: Yes, we're just but we make call it this, a Yes, but we yeah. make this move sometimes where we allow the very thing yeah. to be dev- to be defined, rather, by like people who might be not representing it to the fullness yeah. of what it could be. And I just don't want to throw that out that's because great. of my experience. Does that make sense? Well, yes. we also shouldn't throw out something that... Is
0: leading people to Christ just because it's not our normal way of doing things, right? Like sure. the when when I am driving down like south end of Columbus and I see like a tent revival happening, right? Like it's like all right, that's not my typical approach for evangelization, but there might be but something there are happening people there. People there that are worshiping the living God, yeah, that are on their knees repenting yeah. and giving their lives over to Jesus, and and so is this the context of Catholic evangelization most of the time? No, it's not. But is it effective? Well, it's leading people to repentance and yep. to worship and mm-hmm. to giving Jesus
1: as Lord of their life. That seems pretty. Those are good. It's things. At least a
2: first, a so good also, first move. Let's also yeah. press in yeah. there.
1: So uh, I, I would argue that the difference is not in reality. The difference is in terminology. Yep. So re- so the the, t- the term revival is is one thing. Like re- regardless of terms, what we look at when we see revival is, as you identified, Dan, the transformation of a. The transformation of a people, yeah, mm-hmm. right and and of course, we see God doing that throughout history, and yeah. you know all the way back to scripture where's where's the first real you know Christian revival happen? Well, on day one, right right at, at the, the the moment of Pentecost, when you see the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit come, uh, you see the Holy Spirit convict hearts and lead people to a place of of radical transformation and evangelization mm-hmm. to the point where the immediate fruit of this is the
2: baptism of three thousand people in the street. Because mm-hmm, Peter right? spoke to repentance. He said, You crucified him. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then they were repented. And
0: and there was something that happened in their hearts that led them to that repentance. Mm-hmm. I, I think the um yeah, I think that's a beautiful word, Aaron. That there there is that that need for the community to come back to the Lord in them. Mm-hmm. And
1: and and we see we see this throughout history too. You know, we have different words typically that we associate to it. Uh, you know renewals within the church, but um so many of the great saints have have truly led, led the way toward toward vast revivals yep. of Catholic culture. I
2: also think we forget that those saints had people around them making mm-hmm. that same move at the same time. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's that's to your point, Dan, is that like when, when we see great saints in the church make a move, they're our first followers almost immediately. Yep. Because God's working something consistent. Yep. And I think that is something we see in revival is like there could be someone's heart that's stirred towards something, but once they speak it, these others who were having that stirred, you can see yeah. him almost joking. Yeah,
0: I think Francis is a great example of that his first followers were insane, amazing. Right? like just amazing yes. miracle workers. A great example of that not happening is Jeremiah, right? So Jeremiah mm-hmm. was by himself and no one joined him in repentance. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, th- interesting. Yeah, the, uh, Israel, like the the nation of God, was destroyed and mm-hmm. they were sent into captivity. And so mm-hmm. the uh, the lone man's repentance and his call for repentance, because it wasn't joined by these first followers,
2: yeah. yep. it didn't bear fruit. Yep. And, yeah. And that, well, you so, mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah as well. Like there was there yeah. was there was someone even interceding on their behalf, saying like, "What if it was but 10 Yeah. And still, the that one person, it, it just. He didn't find that that follower. I think one
0: distinct, I mean, not distinction, but one thing we we haven't named yet that we have to name is that revival does come from God, and so I, I like to actually let things happen and then call them revival as opposed to call something a revival before it happens. Schedule so, it, yeah. So like, so when when you were talking about <laughs> you like sense. Southern Ohio uh, Protestant Church events, sure. like hey, we're having a revival on Sunday. Well, actually. We're in a, like we gather together in in worship and yeah, repentance yeah. and we pray for a move of God. Mm-hmm. And when God moves, that's that is revival. That's and right. and so it's it's hard to say this. Um, and that's even a, a little bit of a fear I have with like the Eucharistic revival, right? Yeah. That if we if if we have a desire in the church and and the bishops have called for this desire, that the the Catholic church would be convicted of righteousness mm-hmm. and believe again in the the in the the real presence of the Holy Eucharist, right? Yep. Um, so there, we're we're titling something the Eucharistic revival with faith that God is going to move to help the Church repent and return to a greater faithfulness to the the Holy Sacrament. Um, and, however, we need to first and foremost be on our knees begging for God to move, right? That if if we want this, our our mm-hmm. parish programs, our Uh, Catechetical strides to build, even our liturgical reforms. Those are all. Those are all things that we are doing. You do that again? (laughs) Yeah, because it drives me nuts. Because I've seen on on Facebook uh, all these posts of like, if we want real Eucharistic revival, we have to kneel. It's like no, that is no Eucharistic revival comes when God comes and moves our hearts. That draws yes. us to our knees and that the church saying you have to kneel before you receive the Eucharist is not revival. God drawing you to your knees so that you love him so much that yeah. you want to receive his sovereignty on your tongue uh, and on your knees because of him, not <laughs> yeah. because of church law. That's revival. And, and so that that's what we need to be praying for, that yeah. God would move hearts, that God would convict mm-hmm. him, like these hearts and these minds to love him more, that God would move in power And he just did, like, I don't know if you guys saw recent news. Like there's a, in In Connecticut, Connecticut, there's a Eucharistic miracle of the month. I, I, once again, I'm so confused sometimes by news reports. They, a, a possible Eucharistic miracle, like, 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 why are we calling this a possible Eucharistic miracle? The priest is saying that the, the host multiplied. This is not a possible Eucharistic miracle. This is a Eucharistic miracle. The host multiplied. Like, do you have a reason that the host multiplied? Like, yeah. and so, but well, that's amazing. That God, that's that's Eucharistic revival right there. That God is doing something. What was the context? I didn't hear this. the 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 priest was running out of the the church was running out of host. And he, they were sharing host with the Eucharistic minister, and um, essentially the ciborium never went empty, and so they, she just kept giving out host, and ciborium didn't go empty. And at the end, there was either as much or more of the, mm. uh, you know,
2: sacred body as uh, as, <laughs> as when they started. That's was pretty amazing. so amazing, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, oh, there's so many points you're making there, Dan. I think one of the ones that I, I'm like like hearing as you're as you're speaking is just kind of the the idea that that God always moves first. Yeah. That we love because he first loved us. And like w- when he moves and convicts us of righteousness and sin and judgment, when he when he moves in that way, then I'm called to respond. Like that's when those real reforms come. That's when those those real things come because God's moving and now I'm just responding yeah. instead of reacting to something yeah. I'm seeing of my own accord, right? Yeah. And I think there is something to to be said about um just a, a need in our our hearts for um, faith that God still desires to move first. yeah, I think sometimes we're like, God has given us this beautiful treasure trove in tradition and this beautiful story in the scriptures, and that's enough for me to cling to for the rest of my life in faith. like beautiful. the prophets ended with with Jesus, you know, like all these things that were like, And there's a beauty in respecting it in that way. And so too, God is still after our hearts, just like he was at after everyone's hearts Mm -hmm. before Jesus and during Jesus. And of course he wants to move first because he's about bringing the whole world back to himself. So I think if you're listening today and and you're just in your life going through the motions, that is so tempting for all of us as Catholics, because we have this rich storehouse of amazing saints that we can study and pray like in these amazing scriptures and these amazing, just teachings of of the church. Yeah. But we have we have to know that God still desires to move. So this is where I think this is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament
0: repentance. When you have that kind of faith in your heart, then you go on your knees and repentance is is literally just asking God for more. That God, I want you to move so bad. I want you to heal the land. I want you to transform our parish that when the parish gathers, why aren't we seeing revival in parishes? It's because parishes are not on their knees, crying out for God to move, right? But, but are- Dan, you,
1: you've got to, you've got to, you've got to move in such a way that you're that you're acknowledging what's not working, right? That mm-hmm. that in in asking for more, there's also a humility that's expressed and a yeah. desire mm-hmm. for purification, yeah. And in a
0: minute, oh, so and I'm I don't not saying it. that we don't ask for the purification, yeah. I think the the the, the repentance because I think we're doing that. So what are Catholics doing? Um, that 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 is so Catholics often we're often concerned about our own salvation yeah. and we're, we don't look from the community aspect, but mm-hmm. God, he established a people and then he established a church. So I go to confession and I individually repent for my own sins. Yes. Right. So that's awesome. And even if I have a confession service, a repentance service, Everyone's individually going to confession for their individual holiness. So what do we see a lot in Catholicism? We see a lot of individually holy people, but we don't see these communal outpourings of the Holy Spirit as often as Protestants do because Protestants come together as a community and they corporately repent together. And there's something powerful that happens with corporate repentance that it opens the heavens for the Holy Spirit to come, which is why often you see the Holy Spirit moving in a communal way in Protestants more than you do in Catholics because we're doing our confession services, which I'm not saying we should stop confession services. We just need both those and communal
2: repentance. And we do have that, but we don't bring a heart to it. And the reason- The Mass. mass. Yes. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the blessed Mary of. Virgin and all the angels and saints and to you, uh, yeah. my brothers and sisters, yeah. to pray for me to the Lord our no, God. That no, no, we would let's do it, all no, be praying together.
1: Let's do it again in mo- in monotone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but that's my point though it like religion a without no, its, power. it's right that's what yeah. that's what i'm getting at and that's what i think always drives me crazy is it's the, the, the church hasn't <laughs> lost it no it hasn't lost it it's just dormant it's just when we pray that we don't even remember what we're praying And, and if, what if
0: we just i mean what if that happened and we yeah if we if we just it use the heart that as into a real it.
2: moment of repentance real heart it's the same thing with the prayers of the faithful i've said that on the podcast before and i get yeah. so fired up because They've become the prayers of the complaining, not the prayers of the yeah. faithful. Maybe the reason we're not seeing breakthrough in the things we're praying for is because we're not actually believing in faith that God wants to pour that out. And we're not believing in our hearts that he can work in us to make it happen. Like yeah. like that, that would make prayers of the faithful no longer a political agenda or something that I wanted to put my own I don't know, spin on, but it would make it a real prayer that we really wanted to offer together. Now, again, I think there is something really important in the work of apostolates like Damascus and because of God's goodness, not because we're all great, but like to do those things outside of the mass allows us to remember how important it is to bring that same heart into those things we're already doing. So I'm not saying it's either or at all. I think that us three coming together, right? And like, praying and things like that that's so powerful and what that should do is remind me oh yeah and that heart i have here if i bring that into worship in the mass these things are getting Mm -hmm. checked off as well and then that that that's when god has an avenue to move that's when we can say lift lift high you gates raise high ancient doors right Mm because the king of Mm -hmm. glory is coming through
0: we had in early in lent we had the you know the uh gospel where there was the Pharisee and then the sinner and the Pharisee was like oh lord thank you so much that i'm not like that sinner over there and then the sinner lord have mercy on me a sinful man and um, yeah, you know, on the it, it's funny because you I hear that gospel. I'm like, well, the fair like the Pharisees get such a a, a bad drag sometimes, right? Like mm-hmm. where they're like maybe he was actually saying a real prayer of <laughs> gratitude, like, man, I am so grateful, Lord, yeah, sure, that sure, I'm sure. not probably not. That's why Jesus was <laughs> condemning him. But um uh, <laughs> uh but the I think there's there's something about too with repentance where uh it I think sometimes as church people we um, we have that disposition of the the world outside of us uh, of yeah. the Pharisees' disposition. Like, man, thank God that I'm not like them out there, and and we'll pray for the end of. But we're not repenting. Like my sins have actually also caused the sinfulness outside of the church. Right mm, that yeah. that I need to repent for the sinfulness of this nation. That that is um that there's not. It's not just like, okay, fine, I, I lost my temper towards my family. I'm going to go to confession for that. But the, the sins of America are the sins of my generation. And mm-hmm. I know that the things I have done in my life have added to the sins of this generation. And the things mm-hmm. I've uh, allowed to exist in this world have added to the sins of this generation. Mm-hmm. And so there's you see in Scripture this corporate repentance, too, of, of people confessing, if you will, or repenting for the sins of their of their, their people, the sins of their nation. And, um, I, I, I don't know how to accomplish that. I mean, I, I you, you can accomplish that in individual prayer. I, I think there's something powerful though for accomplishing that in corporate prayer as well, that I'm not that man can mm-hmm. like, can we as a church start repenting for those who won't repent mm-hmm. to be, if you will, intercessors yeah. for them?
1: you. you, you you mentioned something earlier, Dan, and I've never heard you say this before, but I think it's it's so profound that revival doesn't have to take everybody in order to affect everybody, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that sickness doesn't have to take everybody to affect everybody. You see, the the body of Christ, our family, is thankfully recovered from hmm. uh, some bout with sickness over the last week or two, <laughs> and you know it's it's not like every cell in the body becomes sick at once. Something happens. There's a there's a weakness or an injury where uh, where sickness enters the body, then all of a sudden it it affects the whole system, and and that's truly what we're seeing. I, I believe in the context of the church, what we've seen from the entire history of salvation, right? That there's there's an access point where infidelity or uh, or or faithlessness or um, idolatry, right, where where something enters in such a way where it it negatively affects the purity of our of our worship in such a way that the entire body is 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 injured, is mm-hmm. damaged. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I'm sitting here, okay, like all these conversations are are incredibly convicting. And I'm like, man, if only we could just stop everything and press pause and restart like w- what could be accomplished if we could, if we could look at the mass for what it is, if we could if we could celebrate this mass as if it was our last, our, our first and our last. And our only. Um, how do we, how do we move forward through that? I, I think it's I think it's through it's through accomplishing like the conviction toward repentance in the heart of even a few that could, that could begin to turn the tide. Um, we talk about revival again. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, revival is a term that's typically associated with, with Protestant expressions of the faith, right? For no other reason than just recent history. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the connotation with revival, even to look at, there's a Presbyterian minister who, who was one of the, you know, great fathers of revival, Charles Finney. I don't know anything about his story, but he said a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. And mm-hmm. we see, you know, where have we seen things labeled as revival? Most recently, the Asbury um, College, where mm-hmm. you see. Uh, how many, how many days did they, did they gather for intense prayer?
2: Something absurd. I, I, I like, I was trying to keep track. I couldn't keep track, but I mean, it was, it was weeks weeks and weeks 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 of, of
1: of prayer. And, and it wasn't as if there was a moment where suddenly all who were gathered in the chapel in, at Asbury college were, were overcome by repentance. It was, it started in a few,
0: Mm -hmm,
1: right? mm -hmm. And because the body of Christ lives as the body of Christ does, what started in a few spread to the body who was receptive. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you see over the course of, of weeks that, yeah. that there's an experience of, of true repentance, of conviction to righteousness that, uh, that facilitates a, a purity of worship that just brings connection.
0: Yeah. When they, when they talked about that revival, they said, how did, how did it start, right? Yeah. It was a simple proclamation of the gospel and hearts were convicted of, repentance and the sovereignty of God. And I think that it's those, those are like two very clear elements that you see in, in these revivals that take place in, in man is that there's a, there's a conviction that uh, there, there is a God and I am not him. (laughs) And and when that conviction happens, you, you, you don't need, you don't need anything other than real worship and real worship leads to this deeper experience of revival because I mean when you see God move in the Old Testament, right? Boom, fire falls down from heaven. Mm-hmm. When fire falls down from heaven, what do people do? They fall to their face, right? When yeah. and when in those moments of uh of of prayer when when fire falls down, yeah. whether literally or spiritually when that fire comes, that's when the repentance hits. And it's it's interesting because it's like fire comes, repentance happens, which leads to more fire coming, which leads to more Repentance, which leads to more fire, and it is that's when it starts spreading, right? Yeah.
1: So right now in our Catholic context, I think many of us might feel stuck that we're we're in this place of like facing overwhelming odds of just being demoralized Mm -hmm. by the state of the church, right? What's what's the answer? Well, the answer is what the answer has always been: it's that God desires the revival of His people, right? And God's going to facilitate that revival through the impartation of His Spirit into our lives that will convict us of sin and righteousness. It'll bring us into a place of response. So like uh, don't get torn up about the fact that the that the you know the church is on a downward spiral the, the the response that the Lord desires to give he's giving now and he's giving through conversations like this and he's giving through places like Damascus he's giving through people like this community who's gathered around in 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 deeply acknowledging okay there's something about me that needs to shift and and as we pick up that momentum like we're going to we're going to see the tables turn yeah yeah we, we, we see, we've seen it throughout history uh we we see it all the way back in the in the in the mission of Jesus like the great commissioning of Jesus uh in in loose gospel he commissions his disciples specifically to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all mm-hmm, nations mm-hmm. right that this is this is something mm. that walks hand in hand with the promise of of the spirit and the promise of this uh yeah. this explosion of of the of the gifts of his mercy of his expression of faith right mm. it's 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 two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm.
0: So, in, it, and it has to move beyond a good intention. Yes. So, like, I can't listen to this podcast and be like, wow, that was such a good like, word. Like, it, whatever my heart is broken for, I have to bring people into repentance for that. So, like, if you're listening and your heart has been crying out for your parish, then get a community of parishioners to start corporately praying together in repentance for an outpouring of What does of the it Holy look Spirit? like to
1: pray in repentance? I, you know, I think. Um, We've had a couple great examples here at Damascus. I want to I want to identify. And yeah. again, we're not the we're not the the model that everyone needs to. Even here, mm-hmm. even in this great place, right? It's possible for us to fall into routine.
2: Yeah, definitely. I so, mean, so I
0: think first we you you open with worship, yeah. right? So uh, uh, and really just tap into the sovereignty of God. So open with songs of worship and enter into the courts with thanksgiving, right? So. We enter into his courts with Thanksgiving and just call upon the sovereignty of God and mm-hmm. acknowledge the sovereignty, the power, the otherness of God, and then allow that to move where this where the spirit leads. So I think when you see the otherness of God, yeah. then that starts convicting you of all of your small-mindedness. Like, man, when I when I see the God of Mount Sinai coming with power and glory, then I'm on my knees apologizing and repenting for the times I've placed him in a box, for the times I've tried to do things with my own power as opposed to with his power, for the times I've had self-reliance as opposed yeah. to
1: God-reliance, right? Let's take it a step further for practical application, yeah. right? For somebody who's listening to the show today, who is, uh, okay, so great. I'm going to enter into worship. I'm going to be convicted of that. What does it look like to move from that personal conviction to a place of actual corporate response? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going or do you want to jump in? <laughs> well, I, 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 again, I'd, I'd like to identify. So, so even the, I believe that we exist in a, in a beautiful community of consistent revival here at Damascus. And uh, what, what I've seen even in the course of the last few months here and a number of times over the course of the past few years is that our community, our team will be gathered in a place of worship. And all of a sudden, whether it's from someone or a couple individuals or multiple individuals, uh, somebody will just be overcome by a sense that, like, they're, we have fallen out of love mm-hmm. with the one who we're singing to. Right? Mm-hmm. That that we've fallen into routine in this place of worship. Uh, just a few just a few weeks ago, here at Damascus, we we gather every Tuesday for a time of communal prayer uh, and worship. And the message that one of our uh, young women shared was one of invitation to repentance. Um, because of a conviction that she had. And that led to, a, to a, a really beautiful, heartfelt, corporate response of acknowledgement that, okay, yeah, the image that, the image that was shared was one of, um, okay, we enter into this space for a beautiful, life-changing, dramatic experience of worship, and then, and then the clock strikes 12. And uh, everybody, you know, turns off the lights and walks out the door and goes on with their day. Like, mm-hmm. can we really exist in such a place of, of deep connection with God where we can turn it off so easily? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was from that image that, that there was then an invitation for the entire community to yeah. come into a place of expressing repentance. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I mean by that is to say this, that, that so yeah, you're gathered in a in a prayer group with 10 or 15 people, right? Or or five people. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yes, we're in a time of worship. We're in a time of reflection. And then all of a sudden I'm convicted with this. Like you've got to open your mouth yeah. and invite others to join you in that response. Yeah. I
2: think it's like any other evangelistic venture though. Right. So it's conviction, invitation, action. So Good. I have a conviction, right? Like, and and you do this when you evangelize anyone about anything, right? Is like, I have a conviction that something's right just i invite others into that conviction i'm having yeah and then we take action together right i think that like if, if you need like a just like i don't know an internal dialogue with yourself like okay i've, I've had this conviction who have i invited to be in this yep. conviction with me how are we going to choose to be in action with that conviction yeah. and that's where dan was coming in with i think that's a great call like like entering with worship so that we can see god as other and then allow him to move i, I think Another prayer that I've fallen in love with and I've said it a few times on the podcast is, is the Jesus prayer because it, it is actually recognition of all these things in a prayer. It's a Lord, Jesus Christ. That means you're other, you're over everything, right? Son of the living God. So there's the confession of who you are and what you've done. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you. Like that, that is like the prayer of repentance is I need you, right? Like if I, was, if I was to break it down in my own life, when I am really convicted, that I've fallen out of love with the Lord or into routine, Lord, I need you. I need you right now to bring me back to yourself. And I think that that's the conviction that we need to invite people into and then build action off of.
0: Well, and even we have a tradition in the church of offering prayers of reparation. We don't often do this. A lot of our religious communities will offer prayers of reparation for the sins committed against the blessed sacrament. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the, um. that I think that's where you, as, as a community, if you're gathered, you can also enter into this time of just praying out prayers of reparation. Yeah. So like we're going to pray in repentance mm-hmm. and sorrow for the, the sins committed against the, the blessed sacrament in our parish. We're going to pray mm-hmm. for in sorrow for the sins committed with the, within the apathy of the liturgy, within mm-hmm. the apathy of worship. The, yeah. I mean, you could just, I mean, as a parishioner, a group of parishioners, you can literally just go through the liturgy you can, yeah. and pray prayers of reparation for the apathy that in which we like mm-hmm. that we that we sing hymns but we don't worship the living God, that we yeah. uh pray the penitential rite, but we don't repent, right? That uh yeah, and just right. start praying the prayers of reparation through the liturgy, which would then motivate the heart yeah. to to ask God to to, if you will, have
2: mercy on that parish and to come. Can I ask a question? To you two, this is just on my heart. I, I've been um wrestling with like how to ask it. I, my, I think what's happening is my heart is breaking for the fact that I, I think that there are a lot of people who have a heart to see the church become all she can be. And there's some kind of block. And I think it might be in the individualized culture that we live in. Yeah. That like, when I look at the Old Testament and when I look at the yeah. New Testament, I look at the great saints, there was always um, a perspective that I matter to the whole. Not I matter unto me or mm. or this like self-pursuit, self-help reality. It was always like, I'm living for an impact on like, there was always just a communal focus. Yeah. And the Western world today seems to be so individualized that, that that's where I get nervous sometimes with how we stress even family in the church. I love the concept of family. like. Because God is family, mm-hmm. but I don't like the idea of like just me and my family doing the things for each other. That'll really, really help us Yeah, because that's just individualized at a, a small group level. That's good. And I don't know. What Can do I, you think about that? So this,
0: oh man, I was so convicted. So a friend of mine, a friend of ours, he said to me the other day, he said, um, uh, you get what you pray for. You get what you beg God for. In Catholics, we beg God for individual holiness and for the holiness of our family. So what we're getting is a lot of individualized holy people. We, we're getting mm-hmm. we're 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 raising up individual saints, right? Mm-hmm. But Protestants often beg for a move of God. They they beg for a missionary response, right? So what are they getting? They're getting the move of God. So huh. we get we get what we cry out for. And as Catholics, we often cry out for individual holiness. Mm-hmm. And and but Protestants are coming together, crying out for a move of God, which has to convict us. Let's get together. And cry out together for God to do mm-hmm. something within our people, right? Mm-hmm. But you're always going to get what you ask for because the Lord says, "Ask and you shall receive." I think the reason we're the individualizedness in the culture mm-hmm. is impacted an in individualizedness
2: in the church, and we're not asking for God to move enough. Well, because we don't need, right? Like again, you guys push back on this, but like in the Western world, we don't need anything. Like, like day to day, you look and you have everything you need. So then you just look at what you want, hmm. you know, like the, where the church explodes, where the Catholic faith like took literally the whole country by storm, they needed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Like I think about Africa right now and the yeah. church that's just blowing up there. Like our Catholic faith is like, it's, it's, it's like those early apostles going to lands and establishing the church. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening in countries in Africa literally right yeah. now. And it's because they're like, oh, we need God every day because we don't have anything, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I, I'm not trying to get too fired up and, and off the path here, but I, it seems like an individualized culture that has become self-sustaining can be antithetical to the gospel mm-hmm. because I can sustain myself with my money, with my intellect, with, and that's where, I mean, all, almost all the agnostics and atheists in the world are in the Western world. And we
0: have to um, repent of that, just, not just the ways I've offended the law, right? So that self-sustaining mm-hmm, mentality yeah, yeah. is the content of your confession. That's yeah. where I was going to. Not just the things yeah, you
1: Maybe, you know, okay, so there's two, there's two routes out of this. One is going to be a, a lot more enjoyable than the other, yeah. right? The, the first is acknowledgement and repentance of that broken mindset. And the second is ignore it <laughs> until we realize that we are actually missing what we need. And then it's purgatory. Right. And well, or, and then society collapses. No, <laughs> right, right. But you, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
2: totally get what you're saying. I'm just saying like, it comes in one of two ways. So, like that refining, I'm going to be refined through yeah. fire or through. Mm-hmm. I want to,
1: I want to, I want to direct us toward a close. Today. Yeah. So a um, couple, couple of things that I think are really worth acknowledging. Uh, yes, Brad, you the, the acknowledgement of individualists, individualism being one of the, the key motivators here. I think Seems is critical. Um. I think the other the other motivator here is just the fact that, and maybe they're connected, mm-hmm. um, is the fact that because I don't feel like I can make a difference, I'm unwilling to act. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a laziness that comes, um, a, a, like a true, I guess, a, a sloth, right? That comes from this place of real of believing that I am not a part of the solution. Uh, we we can identify it as clericalism of this this concept that like the. You know the the priest is the only one in charge of of instigating spiritual activity in my church or in my life, um, but I want to I want to lean into Saint Augustine. He has a beautiful uh, quote that God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but He has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. <laughs> so, yeah, the fruit of repentance will always be revival. Mm-hmm. When when we enter into a place of repentance, we are planting seeds. And when when there's a when there's a a a big enough move and and enough seeds have been planted, like that darn thing is going to spring forth into life. It's a it's a matter of time. the The problem that we've got is that is that so many of us just don't care. We we don't we don't care enough to to say that you know now is the time that today is the day that that I'm actually going to do something about it Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I know we're preaching to the choir a little bit, but the ones who are listening to this show, like, w- I, I know that this community's hungry to see this happen. Mm-hmm. And my charge would be like, you've got to take action and that repentance
2: has to, has to look active. Yeah. Well, can I offer something off your analogy as well? Yeah. Earlier, you were mentioning the analogy of the body, right? So, in the negative sense, when the body has a virus or a bacteria that infiltrates the rest of the body like get sick over time. In the same way, when a few repent start believing, it spreads to the body, unless there's antibodies working against it. Mm. And so what I want to speak to you today is if you're listening to the podcast, let's stop working against each other. Mm. Like I just think my heart's just breaking cuz there there's some kind of wall. That's there good, is a Brad. there's a block happening. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because there there are people moving in in separate streams that really want to love Jesus. So what's blocking us? Yeah. I think I think it might be antibody work. I think it might be the fact that we're focusing in on, are you right or am I right? Not on, let's let God be right. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that gets us out of individualization too, right? Because I'm not the end. Yeah, it's you, no longer my thoughts that are the most
0: important. You can't have a prescription for what revival looks like if you actually want revival.
2: And when, mm-hmm. when you're on your you knees- You can't and, come in with a preconceived notion. Yeah, when
0: you're yeah. saying, God, I want you to move. You can't say God I want you to move and I want you to move like this, this. and I think that that is <laughs> that that's often the wall and that's actually even I mean my own expectation in prayer often is the barrier by which God doesn't move my because I, pre- have, yeah, sure. I have such a hunger for God to move in a particular way and that's not true surrender We're like, I'm like, God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do, to do this. it my way. And yeah, and I'm uh, going to uh, dig a
2: ditch and you build the river in the ditch. Yeah. He's like, no, actually the river's starting to cut through rock <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And
0: I think that's what I've been trying to pray just a, that my prayers would just be of total surrender that God, I just want you to move. And yeah. I, I, I don't care what that move looks like. I just want it to be your move and not the, not the result of my human activity. Yeah.
1: Let me close this in prayer. Uh, I'm, I'm drawn to uh, the beautiful individual and communal invitation to prayer that Jesus offers in, in Revelation chapter three. And I'll toss this out here. And I'd, I'd love for you guys to just respond in prayer over this community. Jesus says, listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. That's Revelation chapter three, verse 20. And oftentimes we neglect to recall the verses that come immediately preceding this. Verse 19, Jesus says, I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Uh, Jesus, every one of us is hungry for revival, revival within our own lives and revival within our communities. Uh, we, hear that, we hear that image. We hear that invitation that you stand at the door and knock. And every time I speak that in the context of prayer or teaching or evangelization, mm-hmm. uh, people are hungry. And there are many who have not had this experience. They don't, they don't know that you're there. They don't sense that you're there. They don't hear you knocking mm-hmm. because, because Lord, you invite us to repentance as a condition. So Jesus, I pray that in our own hearts and in the hearts of our communities, truly in the hearts of our parishes, of our dioceses, of our church, Lord, that you would convict us of the ways that we are inadequate,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we would be able to uh, rightfully acknowledge and to repent for the ways that we have failed as individuals and not to be afraid to acknowledge the ways that we have failed as a body, as a church, to respond to the invitation that you've offered to us. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that that repentance would be sweet and that your presence would swiftly follow.
0: God, I'm just, I ask that you'd raise up apostolic leaders who would call for repentance. I just pray for priests and for our bishops that they would call their diocese to repentance. I pray for the lay faithful to call their brothers and sisters to repentance. I just pray for the the kinds of seasons again, Lord, where the king of Nineveh called his yes. kingdom to repent, that there would be kings in our land, those who are anointed as kings through their baptism, that there'd be kings in our land who would call this people to repentance. Lord, any fear that's in people's hearts, um, I just pray that it would be gone in Jesus's name. I get a sense that there is a, uh, a, a person who has, uh, during this uh, episode, been filled with a a John the Baptist call that, uh, that you, you've been wanting to uh, um, have a ministry of calling people into repentance, a ministry of repentance. And um, you, you've been holding back out of fear or you've been holding back uh, specifically because you don't think you'll be received. And I just want to pray for you right now that God would remove all fear from you in the name of Jesus and that you'd be unleashed into the ministry God's called you to.
2: And Lord, we just pray that you would um, that you would help us believe in the good news again, that you would help us to realize that you've overcome sin and death and that everything that stands in our way is overcomable by you. And that when we welcome you in, Lord, everything else takes care of itself. So let us focus on you and you alone and bringing you into the home, you into the church, letting you be Lord so that we can serve the ends to which you came to bring. Salvation and yeah. freedom. Yeah. One final
1: image in, in prayer is that uh as if repentance is not a muscle that you've worked in a while, to have mercy on yourself and those around you
0: mm-hmm.
1: whom, who may who may struggle to exercise it. And my invitation associated with this would be to offer encouragement uh to encourage your your pastor encourage your friends, your peers, when you see them step in and and take the first, make the first move, mm-hmm. and inviting a community to repentance, not not to look down on one in embarrassment, but to truly celebrate this. I, I'm even thinking I, I just I, I celebrate my own pastor um, for the works that he's done uh, in seeing particular areas uh, of need for reform within our own parish and inviting us so beautifully to that. Uh, the courage that that takes to actually challenge a community and say what we're doing isn't right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lord, I pray for I pray for encouragement um, for those for those who've been convicted by this message, and I pray, Lord, for conviction for those who who need to receive this most. Thank you, Lord, for this community and for the way that you're working. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What a conversation today, guys! Thank you for joining mm-hmm. me, and thank you for joining us uh, on Beyond Damascus. We uh, we love, we pray for this community. We're praying for you, and we'd love for you to continue to engage in the in the comment section on these videos. Uh, if you're listening in audio and you want to engage actively, head over to YouTube where you can engage on the comment section online. Also, if you haven't, it would be a tremendous gift to us if you would like and subscribe and uh, improve the ratings of this show by giving us a thumbs up or a five-star or whatever your app requires. Uh, We want to continue to share this message with anybody and everybody in need. We want to thank our partners at St. Gabriel Radio who have made this show and this studio possible. And also we pray for each one of you, of course, that you'll continue in this life-changing work of mission for the sake of the gospel. Um, God bless you. We'll see you again next week.